you will need a Bible. And if you have one, either electronic or physical Bible, you want to turn to Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. Luke 11, 1 to 13. We want to focus this last sermon of the year. We want to focus on prayer. And the reason we are focusing on prayer is to help center our minds on trusting the Lord this coming year. Because, of course, we know the future is not guaranteed. Things can turn like that. And so we want to focus our minds on the Lord and want to see what Jesus, how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. So the passage again, Luke 11, verse 1 to 13. Now, of course, we are coming out of this Christmas season. And as we are coming out of the Christmas season, um, one of the things that is interesting to me is when I'm visiting the malls or I go to a toy store, either the days leading up to Christmas or the days right after Christmas, one of the things that I see is a parent with a child, maybe a mom or a dad, or it could be a grandpa or nana or an uncle and aunt with this little child, boy or girl, and they're walking through the malls, walking through this toy store, and the child gets super excited, and they're pointing at the shiny trinkets. I want that, I want that, I want that. And this child is very unashamedly asking for these things. And they don't care how much they cost, do they? No. They don't look at the price tag either. They will be asking unashamedly for this Xbox or for this doll or for this toy or this game, whatever it is that is of interest to them. And what is, what is more is when you come close and you listen to this child, they'll be articulating this well-framed, well-worded argument as to how this thing will make their life complete. And mom and dad have been rolling their eyes or saying, don't worry about it. But the child is so persistent, so persistent, so persistent, not caring about the price tag. Why is the child not caring about the price tag? Well, I have mom here. I have dad, I have uncle, I have grandpa. I don't care how much it costs. You'll figure that out. All I know is I want that shiny thing and I know you love me. Therefore, can you get it for me? This is what little kids do. They confidently point out what they want. They point it out regardless of the cost. And it's mom and dad's business to figure out how they're going to pay for it. They unashamedly ask and they, they expect a loving parent to respond. See, this is what Jesus is teaching his disciples to do in Luke 11. Later on in this text, we will read this section. The verse says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Notice, everyone who asks. Everyone. You included. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, yeah, knock, it'll be open to you. This is what Jesus is teaching his disciples to do. So in this text, we're gonna, spend, we're gonna look at it in three sections. The first is our prayer. What's the ask? How ought we ask God? So what's the prayer? Secondly, the disposition. What is our attitude to be? What's our posture when we come before God? And then finally, our assurance. How confident can we be that God is going to really answer 
the prayers that we're bringing before him? What is our assurance? What's the confidence? Can we take it to the bank? Is a question. And so we'll see those three things. So our prayer, our disposition, our assurance. Point number one, our prayer. Look at chapter 11, verse 1 to 4 of Luke's gospel. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. We'll stop there. Now what's interesting, here's this. You might be wondering, okay, you're familiar with this prayer, right? You've heard it before. And so the question is, yeah, you've heard it before, but the words are, are not quite the same as the words you know. And the prayer you know, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the version you know. Well, that version comes from Matthew chapter 6. And in that particular context, Jesus was right in the middle of preaching the Sermon on the Mount. It's a long sermon. So chapter 6 of Matthew is part of this sermon that Jesus is preaching. And so he's teaching everybody who's listening how they ought to pray when they're coming. Telling them, hey, you know what? When you're praying, don't come with many words and don't come pretending and all that. No, your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you ask. That is Matthew chapter 6. But in this particular context here, and why it is slightly different from the Matthew 6 one, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And as he was praying, his disciples were kind of waiting for him to finish. When they finish waiting for him to finish, Jesus comes and then the disciples come and say, hey, Lord, teach us to pray just the same way John taught his disciples. So his disciples want to learn. How do we pray? So Jesus now gives them this same version. The point here being, the idea is not for Christians to begin chanting back these words of the Lord's Prayer. You're just chanting word by word verbatim. No, the point here is Jesus is giving his disciples and giving us the themes that should couch our prayers. And we will look at those themes in just a minute here. Those are the themes. So that's the, that's the point here. It's not the chanting like many other faiths will do when they're praying to their deities. It's the themes that we're after. When you're praying, you pray around this theme, pray about, around this theme. So the very first word, as you will notice here, Jesus will say, when you pray, say, Father. In other words, there's someone who is being addressed here. And who's being addressed? God is. And how do you call him? Father. This is mic drop moment for the disciples who are watching. Why? Because if you know your Bible well and you go to the Old Testament, you will see how the various prayers being prayed in the Old Testament. If you've read prayers in the Old Testament, you will notice that God is always addressed in very formal terms. Sovereign Lord. And the word Lord is capitalized in your English Bible. Why is it capitalized? Because that would be probably the very name of God. And you don't just use that name willy-nilly. No. 
God was someone to be revered. God was someone to be feared. He was not one who just waltz into his presence willy-nilly. No, you don't. And so now here, Jesus, in response to the disciples, hey, teach us to pray. Well, when you pray, say, Father. So Jesus now is inviting his disciples to engage in this very intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. This is not a conversation that now you have in the hallway. This is not a conversation you have in his, in his office. No, you're having this conversation in his bedroom. You're right there. He's your dad now. You can relax and let your hair down. He's your father who loves you. That's a great reminder that God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made, what screw-ups are part of your story. He loves you. And he's inviting you into this intimate relationship where he's your dad. Yes, he's sovereign Lord. Yes, he's king of the universe. Yes, he's creator of heaven and earth. He is the sovereign one and he happens to be your dad. So when you pray, you say, Father. So after you say, Father, what themes now follow? Well, a few themes here, five of them. One, hallowed be your name, meaning glorify your name. Make your name great. Bring glory to your name. What is interesting is in the Old Testament, the reason why, why God does all these great things, all these strange things, all these weird things, why did God do all these things? Yeah, he did all these things so that everybody will know that he is God. So that everybody will know there is no other sovereign beside him. This is the reason why. So yes, the nation of Israel got blessing and all these things, yes. But the purpose was, yeah, their blessing, not necessarily. It was more his name to be made glorious. So Lord, make your name glorious and help me glorify your name. Hallowed be your name is a theme. Second theme, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. This means your rule, your reign, your principles, your laws, may they be observed. Your kingdom come. So I'll give you an image. So coming from uh, Africa, Kenya, is the country of my birth, in 1981, 82, we had a coup. A coup would be there were rebels who decided they wanted to topple the government. And so this military group gang of individuals decided, well, they didn't like the democratically elected president and so they wanted to topple the government. And they did. So my brothers and I were home, were watching cartoons and everything. All of a sudden, the TV just blacked out and then all of a sudden there was this newscast. All the radio stations shut down. It was this newscast. Telling people, turn on your TVs if you have one. If you don't, huddle around your radio. We have an announcement. The government has been overthrown. The president is in hiding. We are looking for him right now. Therefore, if you have a portrait of the president in your business, it comes down. In other words, in Africa, particularly in the country of my birth, but it's not just in Kenya, any business establishment, any school, 
any hospital, any government building will have the portrait of the ruling president on the wall. You walk into this, you will know who the president is and his name underneath. Anywhere you go. And once that president has been overthrown, either, either overthrown in the coup or people went to the, to the ballot box and they voted him out and he lost, the portrait will come down and the portrait of the new ruling leader would be up. That is standard practice in Africa. Or you would go to the Middle East and you're driving in Dubai, you're driving in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, oh, you will not miss who the ruling um, monarch is. Why? The billboard with his face, a huge billboard showing, who, showing you who the Amir is. That's how they call their, their ruler, the Amir. You will know who that person is, the Sheikh, who's the ruler of that country, that nation, those people. You will know. Anywhere in the city, you will see billboard after billboard after billboard of who the ruler is. Go to North Korea. Oh, you will see the, the, the ruler, the leader of the North Koreans. Oh, you will see his billboards everywhere. Your kingdom come. See, in all these places, what that person says is law. In this prayer, your kingdom come. Meaning, Lord, when anybody comes and looks at my life, they will see that you are king. But Lord, I pray that the same would happen in their lives and the lives of their loved ones and their neighbors as well. Your kingdom come. Not only that, give us this day our daily bread. Now, I said earlier, this daily bread idea, see, the last four years, we have learned something. And what we've learned is we do not have control of our lives, right? When you think you have figured it out and then life throws you a curveball and you realize, oh dear, I did not know what I now know, right? Things just turn and turn when you think, okay, now you have your financial plan sets and then the interest rates do crazy things. And you're like, oh dear. We're not even going to talk about COVID. We're done talking. You know what that did to all our plans and all our lives. You could wake up tomorrow morning. Today you're healthy. Tomorrow morning you would not be. You have no control over that, do you? We don't have any control. So therefore, Jesus is saying, because you don't have the control you think you have, give us this daily, daily bread. It's not just sustenance. It's our everyday being. All the things we need, our health, our relationships, our food, our opportunities, our jobs, all these things. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Not only that, it's a theme. Not only that, forgive us our sins as we also forgive. So in other words, it's a recognition that you and I love the wrong things too much. And we love the right things too little. So there is this acknowledgement of that. Therefore, Lord, forgive us. But it's not just, Lord, forgive us, but it's also help us to be like you as we forgive those who we're indebted to. So it's not just us asking for forgiveness, but it's also ask, asking him, Lord, we are indebted to you. And we also have people who are indebted to us. We want to be like you to them as well is a theme. Lead us not into temptation. 
This does not mean, Jesus is not saying here that God is the one who leads people into temptation, like, hey, here's some money, go steal it, or whatever the case may be. No. The point here is, Lord, may the trial not be too heavy. May the temptation not be too heavy. That I fall, that I fail, that I fall into it. See, all of us are tempted in so many ways. But do you ever pray this prayer? Lord, lead us not into temptation. May, this, may the temptations not be too heavy that I fail. This is a theme. So these themes, again, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive others, and lead us not into temptation. All these are themes And Jesus is not just, he doesn't just stop at giving us the model and the themes for prayer, but he'll also discuss what our disposition is. What is our posture when you approach this father who loves us dearly and bring these themes? As we're bringing these themes, what ought be our posture, our disposition? Look at verse 5 to 10. Luke 11, 5 to 10. Jesus is speaking here. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and have nothing to set before him. And he, the friend, will answer him from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he wants. And I tell you, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Stop there. It's a very interesting little story, a little parable where Jesus is trying now to really push the point of what our posture, our disposition ought to be when we are praying. So he gives this illustration. Now, I'll make it contemporary for you. So when I grew up in Africa, in Kenya, there was a season when my family, this is my mom, my dad, and my two brothers, so were five people in my family, we lived in a two-room house. Now, when I say two rooms, I don't mean two bedrooms. I mean two rooms, literally, two. And the size of these rooms were the size of a child's bedroom in a maybe 1,100-square-foot condo. So this is tiny, tiny, tiny. And so we had to squeeze in there as a family. There were friends of mine who were eight kids, eight children and mom and dad. So 10 of them in a home small like this. So now you have to shovel your clothes in suitcases and under the bed, mom and dad's bed, which was in the inner room. And mom and dad's bed is not the queen size or king size. No, it is a twin size bed that mom and dad would share. And so you have all your suitcases under with all your clothes and everything in there. So you have to drag your suitcase and look inside. And then you put it back when you have to change. 
And then in the living room, the other second room, that's where you probably have your couch, a little coffee table and everything. And so you do your, all your living outside and then in the evening, mom will be making dinner outside because we would use a stove that had coals in it. So it's all smoky. So you make your food outside. Then as you're making your food outside, all the neighbors will know what you're making for dinner. Oh, you're frying fish. They can smell it. Oh, you're making some flatbread. They can smell it. You're, you're frying some, some meat. You're making stir fry. They can smell it. Everybody knows what everybody's making. And then you all start eating dinner. It's 6.30, 7 p.m. And then after dinner is done, you're doing all your washing, everything. By 8 p.m., everyone is inside. Now, when everyone is inside, the door is shut and the couches are moved. The front door is blocked off and everything because you have to lay your mats down so that we can all sleep. Mom and dad would go to their room, but the rest of us would all be on our mats, on the floor. No guest will come. It is inappropriate, impolite to show up at 8 p.m. Because everybody's asleep. The mats are on the floor. There were other people who had pulleys on the ceiling and ropes around the couches. And so they would pulley the couch up so that they'd put mats on the floor. Not kidding. So that you'd sleep. So no guest will come at eight. Jesus is now saying, Oh, do you have a friend who shows up at midnight? And he's knocking. So now let's let's give these people some names, okay? So I am the I am the guy with my family and all that. And then Mark Birch is my neighbor. And I could smell that his wife Carolyn was making this flatbread. Oh, I can smell it. But maybe we are not making flatbread, but maybe it's Mark's birthday, and so he's making this flatbread. I can smell it. So we've all eaten our dinner, we all go in, and then Freddy shows up. He was in Kelowna. He's come to visit. So he begins knocking on my door. Hey, Ezra, 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 I'm here, I'm here. So I wake up, hey, tomorrow Freddy's here. So Freddy comes in and all that stuff, and he's hungry. He's always hungry. So I'm like, oh dear, now what do I do? How will I feed Freddy now? You know, Carolyn, Mark's wife, made some nice flatbread. I could smell it earlier. Let me go to Mark's house. We're afraid he's hungry. I have to show hospitality. So I go to Mark's house and I begin to knock. But his kids, grandkids, everyone is asleep. So Carolyn wakes him up and Mark, what is it? She's the African, he's here. Mark, 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 open up. Freddy's here. Could you maybe give me some flatbread that Carolyn made? Mark is my buddy. Mark is not opening that door at midnight because he's my buddy. Mark will open that door because I will be persistent. I have a guest and I want to be hospitable and I know you made some flatbread. Please, 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 please. Please. It's the nerve that I had to come knocking at midnight. Freddy's hungry. You see, what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples is this. It is this persistent coming, the unashamed coming, knowing fully well the kids are sleeping. It is impolite to show up at this hour, but I have a need and you can solve this need. Therefore, I will knock and I will knock until you wake up. I will knock until you open the door. I will knock until you give me three loaves of bread. Thank you very much. Is the point. So, there is this unashamed asking. You see, the problem with us, the problem with our culture is this. 
right here in Canada. The problem is, uh, we celebrate self-made heroes, don't we? We like these self-made stories. Rags to riches, self-made millionaire, and all this. We love these stories, and we celebrate giving and generosity, which is awesome, but asking for help? Oh, no. Oh, no, sir. Asking for help? No, thank you. Mm -mm. Not asking for help. Why? How many times have you maybe approached someone who's going through a difficult circumstance and you said, hey, you know what? Why don't you go and see the elders and have them pray for you? They're like, oh, no, I don't want to burden them. Why? Oh, why don't you share this need with the church? They're like, no. Why don't you share it with your community group? No. Do your friends know? No, they don't know. Please keep it private. I don't want, you, I don't want to burden anyone. And so we have bought into this cultural narrative where asking for help is an admission of failure maybe, or we are shamed because we are weak and vulnerable, because we really want to be responsible for our own stuff, and we don't want to burden anyone with my issues. So I'll carry my burdens alone. Thank you very much. And the unfortunate thing is not just sharing this burden with your friends, but maybe this is why we don't pray as fervently as we should. Because we've bought into the cultural narrative and yet Jesus will say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and it will be open. Ask, seek and knock. This asking, you're, you're recognizing that you're, just, you're as helpless as a child. And you are. You're seeking this, this intentional pursuit. You're knocking. You're being persistent. Lord, 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 Lord. Lord, open the door, open the door, open the door. And the reason you're doing this is because Jesus says, everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it'll be open. This is the reason why. Our disposition, our posture... We are those people who wake up at midnight and go knocking the door and telling, oh, wake up, I have a need. Because our needs, you and I both know, our needs come at midnight. Least expected, the most inconvenient time your car breaks down. You have no money, it's after Christmas and yeah, you've spent, you've hosted everything you've bought gifts, you're barely having some money and then the transmission goes. The most inappropriate Inappropriate times. Our disposition ought to be that of boldness and unashamed petitioning. Why? Because God loves to be asked for stuff. Did you know this? That God loves, loves being asked for stuff. Now you may say, Ezra, where did you get that from? Well, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 8. What does it say? The prayer of the upright are his delight. The prayers of the upright are his delight. God delights in the prayers of the people. Why does he delight in the prayers of his people? Because when his people are praying, they're actually saying, Lord, you know what? I know I am not able to do anything in my own strength. I know that you're the one who has the power to do it all. 
So I'm recognizing my helplessness and recognizing your power. That's why I'm coming to ask you for that shiny little thing right there. That's why. So God loves being asked for stuff. And secondly, he also wants to be glorified. God wants to be glorified in answering your prayer. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, Jesus speaking, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So in other words, When you ask in his name, he will answer. Why does he answer? To make you happy? Not really. Yes, your happiness and your joy are byproduct, but the main idea, the main idea here is so that the Father would be glorified. That's why God will answer. So let's pause there and just think about that a little bit. You know some of those prayers you've been praying that they haven't been answered? The question might be, why is God not answering those prayers? Is it that, is it because maybe if he answered your prayer, God is not going to be glorified? Lord, may I win the 50-50? 50-50, Kanak 50-50. If I won the 50-50, $2 million, you know, I will pay my, my mortgage off and I will do this and all. If I just won the 50-50, may if I won the lottery, if I, if I, Yeah, I'll be happy, but is God going to be glorified? Maybe you're asking for an idol. God is not going to give you something that you'll give it glory. No. He's going to answer that he may receive the glory. Your joy, a byproduct. Your happiness, byproduct. Ultimately, the goal is glory. He wants to be asked for stuff and he will respond to your ask because he wants to be glorified. Final thing, our assurance. So what is the confidence that we have? What is the assurance that God is going to really respond to our asking? Well, Luke 11, verse 11 to 13. Jesus still speaking. What father among you, he gives now this parenting imagery here. What father among you if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, what a statement. If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Full stop. So in the ancient world, these um, serpents and scorpions were images of wicked, evil things. So Jesus here is saying to his disciples, you who love the wrong things too much and the right things too little, you who are unrighteous individuals, yeah, all of you, he will say, Since you know how to give good gifts to your children, just think about all the good gifts that parents have given their kids over Christmas. None of those gifts was a snake, a serpent, a scorpion. No, they were all great gifts that were under the tree that the kids opened and they were so excited. If you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give you? Not good health, doesn't say that. Not uh, release you from your financial burden. He didn't say that. 
No relational reconciliation, he didn't say that. How much more will he give you, what? The Holy Spirit, mic drop. That statement right there, the Jew hearing this statement, this would be a huge statement to the Jew. Why huge? Because for the Jew, that actually meant, Jesus, do you mean to say that I'll be like Moses, who was a friend of God? Do you mean to say that I'll be like David, that I'll be like the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Malachi, like all these prophets? Do you mean to say that I'll have an intimate relationship with God? Do you mean to say that I'll be the spokesman of God? Do you mean to say that God and I will be walking together? Is that what you mean? This was the pinnacle for the Jew. To be in right relationship with God, to be a spokesman of God. Oh, this was the highest of the high. So in other words, according to Jesus, your biggest need is not your financial freedom. It's not. Your biggest need is not your health to be restored. That's not your biggest need. If your biggest need is, oh, you're single and you're looking for a spouse, yes, not your biggest need either. Am I downplaying those things? No, they're real. You feel the pain and the irks of them? Yes. But is it your biggest? Not according to Jesus. The prize, the jackpot, when we're praying, is how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit? In other words, how much more will God give you himself? That is the prize. So it doesn't matter what 2024 will bring relational issues, financial pressure, health issues. Doesn't matter what challenges will come. Doesn't matter the uncertainty that we're all in. It doesn't matter because God is with us. The one who created the heavens and the earth. He is with us. And because he's with us, he will put all our struggles into perspective. So all your challenges, every single one of them has an expiry date to it. It will not last forever. And he'll consistently remind you, hey buddy, don't stress. It won't last forever. There'll be one day when I will come and make all things new. So don't sweat it, dude. It's going to be fine. I am with you. How much more? So when we ask you for financial prayer, yeah, the small ask. Oh, healthy, a small ask. Yeah, the big one. Uh, Lord, I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. And Jesus then guarantees how much more will your heavenly father give you him? This is the confidence. This is the assurance. He will give you himself. And what does the Spirit of God do? He enables you to go the highs and to live through the highs and the lows and in-betweens until the day God calls you home, until Christ comes back again to make all things new. Right? See, this is why we pray. This is why this coming week we will spend all week long 
right here Downs Road, crying out to God, Monday through Friday in the evening, right here Downs Road, we will be praying, Lord, 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 asking for big things and small things and everything in between, but also asking, Lord, we need you, we need you, we need you, we need you, we want more of you. Walk with us. So I encourage you, join us, join us. Not just for this coming week, but all year long as we express our dependence on God through prayer. He has taught us how to pray the themes. The disposition is boldness. We need to be bold. We come to him boldly and we have an assurance When we come, how much more will he give us? The spirit, when we ask. So all we have to do is do what? To ask. Let us pray. So Father, we are asking for more of you. We are asking for more of you, Lord. Pray, dear Father, would you reveal yourself to us in a profound way? Lord, many of the needs represented in this room and many of the needs represented by those who are watching this video even today. We pray, dear Father, we pray, oh God, would you meet us at our point of need? But most importantly, Lord, would you grant us your spirit who will enable us, guide us, equip us, empower us to to face whatever challenge that comes our way. So Father, this year, as we cry out for big things, as we cry out for salvation of people in our community, as we cry out for, for a healing, for those who are ill, as we cry out for, for boldness in the, in the mission you've called us into as your people in these communities, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. We pray with confidence in Jesus' name. Remembering the words of Jesus. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. So Father, we will ask, we will seek, and we will knock. Would you respond for our joy, but ultimately for your glory? In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen.